Welcome, friend. We are so glad you've joined us to listen in as ordinary people share their extraordinary stories of how one man changed their lives forever. No two stories are the same, yet it's our hope that you'll relate enough to want to meet the same man all our listeners have met. Listen as my friends tell me about a man that gave them hope and love beyond their wildest imaginations. Casey Sapp, welcome to the Tell Me About a Man podcast. Thank you. How are you today? I'm good. Glad to be here. Are you hot? I'm very hot. You're very hot. <laughs> Came storming in the door. It's yes, hot. It's, it's hot. It is um, Oklahoma, and we are hot in the summer of 2023. So we connected um, just a few days ago, but wasn't that long ago, and you said that you had been listening to an episode or so, and it gave you a little bit of encouragement to um, share your story in your Sunday school class. And I said, well, you can come share on the show anytime. And so here you are. Yeah. It happened really quick. And I'm so thankful that you were like, nope, let's make it happen. Because you could have made excuses. Had you been making excuses before? I had. So um, I kind of shared with you that for about eight weeks now, our Sunday school teacher's been um, just like at the end of Sunday school. He's just been asking us like, hey, does anyone want to share their testimony? And um, really the first week he asked that, I remember going home and was like, yeah you know, I want to do that. And so like that whole week, like I talked about it, I, I planned it all out. And then the next Sunday's like, anybody want to share their testimony? And I'm like, no way. No, like, not, not interested. Yeah. No. So for like eight weeks, wow. Um, it's been nudging at me, but I've just been arguing with God. Like, no, like my testimony is not that great. Why would anyone want to hear it? Like mm. I even went as far as like Googling testimony, like really, <laughs> cause I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I know what a testimony is, but mine's not. When I used to think of testimony, I used to think of you're like just super, super lost. And Mm. then you had this all inspiring moment. And, you know, my story's not that great. I don't feel like so. You were believing that it wasn't that great. I was believing that. But we're going to hear something different today. We're going to, we're going to change that and make it a truth that it really is great. So you and I have known each other a long time. If I'm not mistaken, you used to babysit. Did you babysit my Amanda and Dylan also? I did. Mostly hope, but I did have the other. Wow. So that's like over like 20 plus years. A long time ago. Man. And you still look like you're 16. (laughs) If only. Yeah. Right. If only. I felt 16. So, speaking of 16-year-old Casey, tell me a little bit about you. Like, tell our listeners, like, who you are, how you grew up, what life was like. Um, You know, we have people that listen um, outside of Oklahoma and actually outside of the United States. So, give them a little understanding of what life was like as little Casey. Okay. Um, I had a good life as a child. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents were married and are still married. Um, just typical. We were in church every Sunday and um, Bible school, church camps. Um, but on the flip side of that, I was very shy. Mm. Um, so if I think back to childhood, Casey, I was just very shy. I didn't really like church camps. I didn't like camps in general. So uh, my mom would always you know, push me to go to those, but nine times out of 10, I'm like, mm, no thanks. Like I just, that's just not my thing and you wouldn't go no Mm. I wouldn't go um I think I can think of a couple times I did but I would usually cry every day call mom like will you come get me I don't like this so um that was hard and I'll talk a little bit about that because I think the shyness um 
I don't haven't been diagnosed with like anxiety, but like I self-diagnosed myself. Like I think I have anxiety because I I don't like being in crowds. I don't like being around people. It just makes me not mm. feel comfortable. Right. Yes. And you have, I mean, there's an emotional and a physical reaction to it. Mm-hmm. This isn't just, oh, I don't like people. Yeah. This is a thing. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I mean, even still as an adult, I say this a lot, like I feel like I'm suffocating um, when I walk into a room and there's all these people, like, it seriously feels suffocating, like the walls are coming really? in. So, um, I mean, that's, I've had to work through that mm. ever since I was little and still as an adult as well, um, working through those things of, we'll talk about that, but okay. going, yeah. you know. So growing, growing up, you were shy. Mm-hmm. Activities? Um, I did, I did play softball when I was younger, um. Getting into middle school, I did play softball and basketball a little bit. But as I entered high school, I didn't do athletics, um, but I did ag. Mm. And really, when I think back to ag, I think that was a blessing. Um, It really did bring me out of my shell a lot. Um, I showed sheep through high school, so that was a blessing and met lots of friends and things through that. So um, I kind of felt found my place there. Mm. I felt like I could be who I was. Side note, you know, I, um, my children were athletes Mm -hmm. and they do work hard. They did work hard. I don't know that anybody works harder though than an ag student. Like there is, this isn't just, if I don't practice, we don't do good. This is if I don't show up, my animal could die Mm -hmm. or like, this is like for real. So just shout out to every human who has ever worked in the ag industry, taking care of animals. Mm -hmm. You're amazing because it is some of the hardest working people on the planet. It really is. It's a 24-hour day, seven-day a week job. <laughs> Absolutely. So growing up, good childhood, mm-hmm. um, were you a defiant kid or were you pretty much a rule follower? I was a rule follower. Mm-hmm. I'm still a rule follower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't help it. Have yeah. Do it. Um, does that mean I didn't break the rules? No. I yeah. was a teenager. Yeah. So um, I made some not good choices um, during my teenage years. But, yeah. I mean nothing nothing too crazy nothing that had lifelong impact or anything like that no so when does um when does jesus come into play in your life okay so jesus um i'm gonna say first grade um we my mom always went to false creek with the youth and cooked down there for them false creek is a youth camp that's talked about a lot on this show because we Mm -hmm. are in the south and um it's just a you know it's a camp that's um maybe 40 minutes from your home that um, thousands and thousands and thousands of students attend every summer. And it's an amazing place to go. So mom cooked down there. Yeah. And so I just talked a little bit about, I didn't like going to camps, but this camp, I wasn't old enough to be in the youth, but I got to go with mom. Mm. And so I was comfortable with that because mom was there. Gotcha. um, I remember um, we were there, mom was cooking. And so we would still go to the evening services. So she was done cooking. We would go to evening services and, um, anybody that remembers old Falls Creek, when you <laughs> would go to evening services, it's like hot. It was not indoor. It was not cooled at that point. Right. It's so, outside mm-hmm. shaded and there's mm-hmm. fans on, but yeah. that's about it. Yeah. So it was, I, yeah. And I remember, I mean, I still remember to this day, I, I can tell you exactly where we were sitting, um, as they were doing the invitation at the end, I remember I was just so wiggly. So, again, I was, like, in first grade, so wow. about seven years Pretty old. Pretty young. Yeah. And um, I just felt it. And But I didn't know what that meant. Really, they were, you know, if you 
you want to come forward, but as a seven-year-old and it's all these youth, like I'm not going to walk forward, you know, I didn't feel like I could walk forward. Exactly. Um, so, but I felt it. And so as we were walking back to the cabin, I remember looking at my mom and I said, mom, my heart felt really funny. Mm. And I just, I just know I was supposed to go down, but I just couldn't do it. And so she led me back and Jean Sanders was mm. there. And so I'll always hold that. That's always mm. going to be special to me. Mm-hmm. So um, he talked with me and prayed with me. And that's when I asked Jesus into my heart and was baptized at that. That's gorgeous. Yeah. I love that. So first grade, seven-year-old Casey has, um, you know, she's accepted Jesus in her heart. Do you just truck along the rest of your life and things are gorgeous and perfect and amazing? Yeah, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... Um, I kind of like I said I shared this Sunday school class on Sunday but you know I was like just because you were saved at seven does that mean everything is Mm -hmm. butterflies and unicorns the rest of your life absolutely not so um I mean my again my childhood was really good um teenage Casey again didn't make the best choices but nothing too terrible bad um I again was struggling with I would go to church on Sundays, but I didn't like going to youth because, mm-hmm. again, it just made me feel how to go before people. There was lots of people there. So mm. I would usually go to um, church, but I would always want to leave mm. after and not go to youth. So, I mean, I was driving at this point, so we would drive, but I would want to leave and not stay for youth. Yeah. Um, so my re- re- relationship was there. Like, I know that I was saved when I was seven. And Mm -hmm. I've always been saved. I've never questioned that. Mm. Um, But I wasn't close. I wasn't doing the things that needed to be done um, at that point. So fast forward until I was 18. um, I was dating someone, and we um, were engaged. So he was actually a freshman at OSU at this point. I was still a senior in high school. But his first uh, or his freshman year there, we did get engaged. Um, we met in ag, of course. So <laughs> that's where I go back to those ag things, like building right. those relationships. And um, we had met in ag, and he also showed sheep. And we had actually met, um, it would have been my eighth grade year at a camp, at alumni oh, wow. camp, at a FFA camp. So we did meet there. We had always been friends, had always talked um, probably, you know, I, he would call me all the time and we didn't actually start dating until my senior year, but during my senior year, we were engaged. So in December of my senior year, we got engaged. So you started dating and got engaged like oh, yeah. pretty quickly pretty quick. and yeah. you're like, that's, that's so that's young. Like, yeah, it is. Like that's shocking for him. Like if my 17 year old was like, I'm getting married, I don't know how I would be with that, but I guess yeah. like, well, I will say like looking back at that, like if my 17 year old were to come into me, I'd be like, mm, I don't know about that. We should but, talk about this. Yeah, we should really <laughs> talk about this. Um, but I think this is part of the story. Mm, so mm-hmm. now looking back on it, yeah, at 17, that, you know, 17, 18, that was young. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, we had known each other for four right. years at this point. Um, and I would say I think I was mature for my age. Um so I think when I think about that, I was looking forward to the future. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't, I was ready to get out of high school. I was mm-hmm. ready to go forward with the thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you are an old soul. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I always have been, mm-hmm. but, um, so we were looking forward to that. So in December we got engaged. Um, 
and I graduated in May of that year. He had gone back home. Like I said, he was a freshman at OSU, so he had gone back home to work um, during the summer. Um, And the Monday after my graduation, um, on that Monday, I was supposed to be babysitting. Um, I remember on the Sunday, so it was Memorial Day. The Monday was Memorial Day. Um, But on that Sunday night, he had called me, and he's like, I really need you to come out here. I'm like, I can't come out there tonight because... um, I'm babysitting tomorrow. And so, like, he just kept urging, like, I need you to come. I need you to come. Like, needing you because he just missed you or needing you because something was wrong? I think he knew something was wrong. Okay. But he never said that. He never said, like, I need you because I feel like there's something wrong. Like, it was just... But he never said, like, I really miss you and I want you to come. But he just kept saying, like, I need you to come out. Well, like, you know, I can't. I'm babysitting, like, already have other obligations. Right. So, um, the next morning... I would always leave my phone on silent because he would call me. When he would go to the hayfield, he would call and leave me a voicemail every morning. So I oh, always left my phone on silent. So um, that Monday morning, Memorial Day, my mom um, came running in my room. I'll just I'll never forget it, but she came running in my room and just said, Hey, there's been an accident. You've got to get up. We've got to go. Mm. Um, at this point, I didn't really know. Again, I was 18, so what do you mean an accident? Like, I don't really know what the extent of that. And so my mom didn't really know either. His mom had was trying to call my cell phone. It's on silent. Right. So she had called our house phone and just said, you guys have got to get to OU Medical. Like, we don't really have any information at this point, but we need you to get there. So um, my parents drove me there and still all the way there. Like, I have no answers. Nobody knows anything. We know that he was metaflied, but we don't know what that means. So... When we got there, um, I remember we were trying to find the helicopter. We didn't think it had probably landed yet. So we found where the helicopter should land, and a nurse had met us out there. And she, um, I remember meeting, and I told her who we were trying to find. And so she was like, yeah, we just talked to him. Everything's good. So, you know, at this point, I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. Why are we no, here? Yeah, why are we here? Why is he being metaphorized? Like, because her words were, you know, he's fine. I just talked to them. Wow. So, um so I remember going in that she said, there's a waiting room in there. Just go ahead and go in and wait for him in there. So we were in there waiting. Um, his parents arrived at that point. And um, I remember the nurse coming in and getting his parents and taking them back. Um, and again, I'm still like thinking, she said he's fine. So why didn't I get to go back with them? Mm-hmm. You know, they were just wanting his parents at this point. But I'm still thinking like, he just needs some stitches or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So, um they take him back and the parents come back in and they've they've lost him at this point and so yeah I'm like but she just said he was fine um so I think I was feeling lots of emotions Mm. at this point um and I was crying out to God at this point like I just need you to fix it Mm -hmm. like right now it's all going to be fine like we have such a bright future like what is going on so his parents said they've lost him um they're still working on him um we had to come out because they're having to work on him so we were in the waiting room. Um, then they come back in and they're like, okay, we have him back stabilized. So again, Oh my gosh, yeah. what a roller coaster. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, well, maybe, you know. Again, I'm just like fighting all these emotions. Like, he's fine and then he's not fine and it was just a lot. So um, at this point, they take him on up to do go into surgery. Um, we still didn't really know the extent of the injuries. So is this a vehicle accident or a farming accident? It was a ve- well, both. Um, 
well, no, he was going to go farm, so not both. He was um, going to the farm to go work. So in a vehicle. He, in a vehicle. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we got to go up, um, and I don't remember. Looking back on it, I can't tell you everything because it was just crazy. But I don't remember how many hours it was before I got to see him. But they had taken him into surgery, um, and we at this point are just staying in a waiting room. Um, that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. There's not anywhere for you to go so we're just in the waiting room just waiting for answers so um i mean really long story short this goes on for four days what? and so uh, we i get to i mean i do get to go in and see him there you know there's hours that you get to go in yeah. and see him and so he um but first you're told he's passed away mm-hmm. and minutes later you're told he's okay mm-hmm. then we've got surgery mm-hmm. then is it we might lose him again, or it's he made it through surgery and he's stable, or is it hour by hour? I mean, is the roller coaster still going loop-de-loop? Yeah, it's really, he did make it through surgery, so, you know, that was good. So, when we got to go in to see him, I wasn't prepared for that. Mm. Um, I had never been in a situation like this. Mm. So, um, you really just was not prepared for that. Mm. So, he had a lot of brain swelling. Um, he had a lot going on there, lots of internal injuries. Mm. Um, he was very swollen. So I think that that was just, he didn't look like right. I thought he should look. So, um, again, I'm just fighting it. And I even have a journal that I started writing in, mm. you know, and just, I mean, I'm just praying out to God. Like, he does look bad, but I know you're just going to heal him, like, this is just going to be part of our story. Um, I even, in my journal, I fast forward to our wedding date. And I had written the wedding date in there. and was like, you know, started journaling about this is going to be our wedding date. This is going to be part of the story. And, you know, we're going to get to this date. And so I, I was still very hopeful at this point. How wise of you to be writing because anyone who has ever gone for counseling, that's one of the first things they will do to tell you. That's one of the first things they will tell you to do is to write. And it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't, it's just, it's actual free therapy. Just start writing. And for you to know that at 18, that you were doing that. I don't know that you, if you knew that you were giving yourself free therapy, but that is so wise. And it's just, man, you're so impressive. I didn't know I was giving myself, you know, that point, but it just says it was calming to me because mm-hmm. I just, that's where I found comfort at that point. Were you writing to God? No. Um, I think I was still just in my mind, just crying out to him. So no, not necessarily writing to him. I was just writing updates like today. This is what we were gotcha. told, you know, um, I think in my mind, I was hopeful that we could be able to go back and read those things like, Hey, this is how bad it was on gotcha. day one. And now look where we are. Gotcha. Um, on that so like I said this went on for four days um and kind of it's not really a funny part but it is a funny part so I have this bear that he actually when we got engaged he had made a bear and he um at build a bear you could do the voices and so it just said I love you Casey Dawn so I held on to that um and one night I was in his room and I hit that because that's what I would do every night. And I would just say, you know, I love you too. So I hit it and I remember the nurse being like, what? 
He's and speaking. He, yeah, he said an explicit word, but it was like, what the heck was that? You know, and so that's kind of, I always kind of share that because I feel like that probably was God, like, you know, it's going to be okay. Right. But I mean, in that moment, I didn't feel that way. Right. But, um, so he did end up passing away four days later. Were you after. with him? Um, I was not with him. So what they did was they had come in and they told us that they were going to go do a brain scan to see mm. if there was any brain activity. So I wasn't with him. However, his parents came in and said, you know, we need to go in and talk to him before he goes back because this is, if there's no brain activity, like this is it. So um, I remember my mom and I went in there and people probably won't believe this because even when I still say it sometimes people don't believe it but I went in and hugged him and you know was just talking to him and a tear rolled out of his eye Mm -hmm. and I my mom and I both saw it and I think at that point before they even told us there was no brain activity I just knew like but that was almost peaceful for me because I felt like that was him saying like I'm okay Mm. so that had to have been definitely God's peace because for me I'm thinking that would have given me hope that he's still there and feels me and there's a tear. Of course, there has to be emotions, but you instantly felt it as God's peace going, it's going to be okay. And we have to walk through this next step. Mm-hmm. Girl, yeah. see why I put <laughs> tissues on the tables? Man. Gosh. And it, and then I think back, I was 18. Like That's a lot. Um, but I think, and this might sound funny too, but I'm not thankful for everything that happened. But I am in a way because, I don't know, <laughs> at 18, that, that's a that lot was, to carry at 18. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to carry for anyone. Because, like you said, you're even writing out, you're, you're planning a wedding. Like, you're mm-hmm. engaged. Like, every girl's dream and she's... Got all the things that are, you know, she's going to make come true with this man that she knew God created for her. And then he's gone. Yeah. And my mom and I actually had gone wedding dress shopping that weekend. And Mm. it was Memorial Day weekend and every store we went to was closed. And now when I look back on that, I'm like. So were you mad at God? Was your trust in him shaken? It was. And um, I remember going to our preacher at that time and saying that, like, I'm so mad. Mm. This is not what I had planned. And do you remember what his response was to you? Um, he did say it's okay mm-hmm. to be mad. God can handle it. Yeah. And okay I, to be I, angry. I, I, I can't shout that enough to people. Like God, he gave us all the emotions. Mm-hmm. So it's okay for us to give them back to him. Yeah. Feel to feel them. And I remember sitting there and I remember him saying that, like, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be angry with God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think my response was like, why? Mm. Like, I didn't think we should feel those feelings towards him. Yeah. Why am I feeling these towards, you know, him? But it's okay Yeah. to be angry. Where we mess up is um, how we respond to that anger. Mm-hmm. So did you, in anger, turn from God or did you turn more into him? I turned more into him. And I even, what'd that look like? I remember, um, it was like the Sunday after the funeral. Um, my mom and I went to church, and it just it it was right. That's where I needed to be. That's where I found comfort. Mm. Um, 
And sometimes I do think about that. I could have been so angry that I ran. Like, I don't want to go to church. Easily. Why would why Easily. I want not? I mean, he has forsaken me. Why would I want to go worship someone that just caused mm-hmm. this big problem in my life? But I remember sitting in the pew just crying like, hmm. I don't know. And, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. To add to that, someone who struggles with people and anxiety knowing that and and we have all walked either we you've walked it or you've walked alongside someone who their first um appearances out in public it's overwhelming Mm -hmm. even if you are a people person it's overwhelming so it's so interesting that despite your anxiety of crowds of people despite your anger at god your um this ridiculous, unimaginable roller coaster that you've just been through, the one place that you knew you needed to be was in community with other believers, worshiping the only person who had any power over any of this. Right. Yes. And that was, it's funny that you say that. I remember going into Walmart, like it was probably a day after he passed away. We were getting ready to go to where he was from Cordell, Oklahoma. So we were getting ready to head out there and remember being in Walmart and people started coming up to me and I look at my sister and she's like, let's go. So like she takes me on other aisles to get, you know, and that is that like, it is it's, it's so <laughs> true. Yeah. I have a friend who we refer to your sister as the gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. You must have a gatekeeper in your life because they've got to know you to know enough. Mm-hmm. Like, and people mean, well, they do. It's just, sometimes it's a little too early. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I even, um, I struggle now when someone is experiencing loss, how to respond to them. Mm. I really have to pray about that because I've been in that moment. And I remember, and not meaning anything by it, but people would say things or do things. And I don't want to do that to people. But also I don't want them to feel like, because I am, I like to keep to myself, not say anything, you know. Mm -hmm. I really have to find guidance in that. Absolutely. It's hard because mm-hmm. you you don't want to do too much of the wrong thing, but you don't want to do nothing and act like you don't care. Um, and especially, again, for someone who's been there, you know um, what is good and what isn't good to hear. Mm-hmm. So, um, But I, it sounds like I bet you get pretty good discernment and you know the right things to say and how to say them and when to say them. I hope so. So you attend the funeral. You go to church. Does the healing continue? How does that all that look going forward? And I mean, you got to go to college still. Mm-hmm. Where do you pick up pieces? Where do you start again? Yeah, and I wanted to sleep a lot. Mm. Um, again, I don't like you know. Sometimes if people are people, per, you know, want to go out and do things, they need to be around people. Mm-hmm. I am not. I want to be by myself. So. I wanted to stay in my room and just sleep because why not? Um, mm. My mom and my sister both were really good with that. They would you know, come in like, let's go shopping, let's go do mm. things. So um, I ended up getting a job at the local grocery store, so that was really good. Things that kept me busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to say that I didn't turn to my Bible a lot. Um, now I look back on that and... I don't think, again, you know, I was angry, and I don't think I didn't do that just because I was angry. I just was feeling a lot, um, and I 
I just didn't know what direction to go. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when I was a teenager, I didn't, I didn't like being in youth group and, you know, those things. So I think I missed out on that a lot. And um, not that I regret it, but I wish I would have turned to my Bible more. So your community was limited because you didn't put yourself in a lot of those um, community activities. Right. I will say, and I'm learning this from people very close to me who are walking through grief, a grieving brain, it's really hard for it to read anyway. So I'm curious, because you probably wouldn't have been able to concentrate on even just the words you were reading. Mm-hmm. And that's not an excuse to not read your Bible mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. But were you doing other things that glorified God or that he would have been pleased with, like worship music, hanging around like-minded believers, still going to church, still hearing messages? Were you doing that kind of stuff or were you just completely out of fellowship with God? Um, I wasn't completely out. We were still going to church. I would still go to church um, on Sundays with my mom. Um at that point. So I don't think I completely shut it out. I just, just, didn't, I didn't want to de- dive deeper, I guess gotcha. is what it is. It just, um, and I want to talk about that in a little bit, but, yeah. um, I didn't, I think, I guess, um, I just didn't, I didn't know where to find the answer. I guess that's where I'm going. Right. I was feeling all these things and I knew that the Bible would have the answers, but where, where do I even start? Mm. And again, my community, I wasn't really big. So it wasn't like I could pick mm-hmm. up the phone and, mm-hmm. you know, just call someone and say, where do I find this answer? So did things change, get better? Where, where does the story at yeah. least start to have some light shed on it? Not yeah. that it hasn't had some, but you yes. know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So, um, I worked through that grief for about a year, um, and then I met my husband now. Did I struggle when I met him? For sure, because I don't know if I want to do this again. What if I get mm. close and the same thing happens yeah, again? Yeah, you're so. super gun-shy, right? Mm-hmm. You're just, yeah. does, I mean, every feeling I'm sure you're wanting mm-hmm. to feel, you're, you instantly make up a what-if story. Mm-hmm. How did you get past yeah. that? Um, I... I think this is where God starts coming in. Mm. I would pray to him a lot. Um, and one story story in the Bible I always go back to is when Jesus is walking on the water and Peter is questioning if it is Jesus. And, um, you know, he asks him to come out onto the water and he starts feeling like he's drowning. And um, Jesus says, you know, do you not trust me? Mm. And I feel like I always go back to that story because when I start questioning those things, I feel like he's like, do you not trust me? Mm-hmm. Trust me. It's, it's fine. Just trust me. And it's hard. Mm, it's so hard. For us control freaks, it's yeah, really hard. It is really hard. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, so my husband and I got married and we have two great daughters. But even still to this day, I still struggle. Like if he is out on the road and my girls are with him and he's not answering his phone, I start playing over in my mind. I mean, I, that's probably normal even for parents, but a thousand things that could be wrong. But at that moment, I have to stop and say, okay, it's fine. Like, you've got it. You know, God's got this. Trust me. He, yeah, trust me. And I always, I, that story, I just always go back to because that's what I feel like. Every time I start questioning or doing things, Trust me, I've got it. It's so important because 
I have learned this over the last couple years a lot is we can make up stories in our head. And because as we make up those stories, we start to believe those stories. And sometimes we even speak those stories like they're reality and they can destroy relationships. They can destroy so many things, marriages. And so interrupting those stories sooner than later Mm -hmm. and your interruption is trust me. It doesn't get much more faithful than that. And I know God honors that. And that's just amazing. In 2015, my papa passed away and, um, I was had I had taken kids to Stillwater for a we were at Wellston at this point and I had taken kids to a event there and I had dropped them off and I thought I'm gonna go get breakfast so they had this just like a daylight donuts or whatever but my husband had been telling me about this other donut store that I should go visit and I remember calling him and being like hey what is the name of that so I go to that donut store so I'm standing in the middle of donut store my Mom calls, which I thought was weird because it was like 9 o'clock on a Monday morning. So I answer the phone, and she says, um, Papa just passed away. Mm-hmm. So I start melting in the middle of this donut store, and I remember mm-hmm. thinking, like, I've got to get out of here. So I did. I go to my car. I'm sitting in my car just, like, trying to get my thoughts together, and this guy comes up and knocks on the window. So, okay, this is kind of weird. So I roll it down, and he says, hey, I just overheard your conversation in the donut store, oh. and I don't know what's going on, but I want to pray for you. Oh, and my gosh. I always want to share that because, mm. for one, I, God knew I was alone. Uh. And I was feeling, it, it was my papa. It was a total different circumstance. But mm. this was my biggest loss that I had mm. since that big mm-hmm. loss. So I always say he was faithful in that moment. He sent someone that I don't even, I don't even know the guy's name. I don't know anything about him. Right. And he prayed and walked away, definitely. Well, and I think it's important you see where he provided for you in a moment that you were alone. And I see it on the flip side of obedience mm-hmm. because that man had no idea who you were. And I, I would almost guess if not with you, if some with some, at some other point in his life, he has argued with God going, I am not going to go walk, walk up and knock on this lady's window. It's going to scare the snot. Like <laughs> that is not what you're calling me to do. Like we've all had those, mm-hmm. or I hope you've had those moments, but you still step into it in obedience and go, Nope, I'm just going to do it anyway. Which is exactly why you're doing what you're doing right now and sharing your story, because this is not comfortable Mm-mm. for you, is it? Not at all. How did you step into this place and share your story and why? So, um, like I said, for about eight weeks now, our Sunday school teacher at the end, um, he's been talking about sharing testimonies. Um, and so at the end, and, you know, I kind of talked about this a little at the beginning I've been arguing with God for eight weeks now. I feel, I felt it. The nudge was there. And mm-hmm. like I said, every Sunday I would go home and think about my testimony, think about it in my head. I've got it. And then the next Sunday morning rolls around and Dwight would say, hey, who wants to share their testimony today? Nope. Can't do it. Not going to do it. Um, so this, like I said, this has gone on for like eight weeks now. Um, so a couple weekends ago, we had someone share and when we got home from church I just was talking to my husband and I was like you know I really want to share my testimony but it's really not that great so I why why do I need to and this was a moment for me too as my husband looked at me he said well what is your testimony Mm. and that was kind of a punch in the gut because kudos to him because I'm telling you make someone tell you their story Mm -hmm. just ask him so when did you meet Jesus yeah and that was a punch in the gut because I'm like, this is my family and I've never shared this with them. 
Because, like, oh, so he wasn't pushing you. He just didn't know. Yeah. We had never, like, really talked about it. Wow. So, yeah. so did the, yeah. you both share? Um, he did it, but I did, and my girls were there, too. So it just was a really good um, good moment for me because I'd never, never shared that. So Nice yeah. challenge to, to married people or yeah. anybody in a relationship. Ask somebody, what's your testimony? Mm-hmm. When I went to go, um, I, I'm very open that I see a counselor I have for several years, and it was really important to me that they were a believer. Mm-hmm. And my first question to her when I sat down was like, tell me your story. And she was just like, what? And I'm like, I don't, I can't trust you if I don't know that we aren't led by the same Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So tell me when you met Jesus. Like, yeah. it's okay to ask people that because here's the deal. If they haven't and they're pretending, they're going to get really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If they have, they're going to be more than excited to tell you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, you can't mess it up. Like mm-hmm. it's your story. Like right. nobody can tell you it's wrong. Yeah. So he pushes you, you tell it. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, let me back up. So I said he didn't, but he and my daughter were baptized, um, last March. And that was amazing for me. So, um, so you kind I, of already I, knew. Yeah, you I was like, that I've him. been in his story. Mm-hmm. So again, that was like a punch in the gut to me. Cause I'm like, I lived your story with oh. you, but I've never shared my, like, why haven't I, right. why haven't I ever shared my story right um anyway so when he you know said that i kind of was like okay that was another nudge Mm -hmm. um again i had been arguing with god so i um had i was actually about i hadn't listened to donna's story yet so you had two podcasts out so i was getting caught up on those so so donna lester i believe is episode five maybe Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i um I was getting caught up on that, and I was listening to Donna's story, and then at the end, you asked her, like, what would you like to share? And Mm. she said, if you're a Christian, then you have a testimony. Mm. And I was like, oof, holy goosebumps. (laughs) You're, you know, that was my answer. I don't know what clear message you need. Yes, and I mean, seriously, that was my answer, because again, I had been arguing, like, I'm not giving my testimony. It's not that great of a testimony. Mm -hmm. Why would I need to give it? And then if you're a Christian, you have one. Google can even provide that answer when I was Googling testimonies. It's funny because my next question is, what would you say to someone who hasn't shared their story? And I would assume your answer is going to be, if you're a Christian. Then you have a testimony. You have a testimony to share. So what would you tell someone who is feeling nudged, wants to share it, even with just a person or however? What would you tell them? How would you encourage them to step to take a baby step. Where's the next step that they need to do? Um, listen, like he, that, I feel like that nudge was him talking to me. Mm. Um, and I, on Sunday after I shared it, my husband looked over at me and he was like, do you feel better? Yeah. So much better. Like I, again, I'd been struggling with this for so many weeks and yeah. And again, this is not me. I'm not anyone that's going to speak, especially in a room full of people, like not me at all. I don't, and that's what I kept telling God. I don't do this. You know I don't do this. Mm-hmm. And so for me to be sitting here today is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when you asked me, I thought, well, he's still nudging. So yeah. I can't say no. Yeah. I don't feel like I could say no. Because you sent me the, hey, just let you know. I heard Donna say this. Mm-hmm. I went ahead and shared my story. And I just said, well, you're welcome to come on the show anytime and do it. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised when you were like, okay. And I was like, Okay, let's get her. Let's get her before she changes her mind. For real, though, and I think that's why I was like, okay, we're going. Um, 
I would tell uh, Dwight, Markham is my Sunday school mm-hmm. teacher, and he is also being so obedient and faithful to God right now. And mm-hmm. without his obedience, I would have never done this. What if he would have asked one week and then never asked never again? again? If he would have um, just kept pushing and pursuing. Yeah. And even on Sunday, um, we... Our church service went a little late, so we were a little late in Sunday school. So I remember I was trying to follow along to the, you know, um, what we were studying that week. But I just kept thinking, like, what if he doesn't ask today? Like, I'm ready to do this. And what if he doesn't ask? And I'm not the one that's going to stand up and be like, I'm sharing, you know. I'm not, I'm going to do this today. So um, I think I was, like, praying the whole time. Like, please, God, like, still, continue. you know, if he asks, I'm doing it. Right. So. You asked, you were seeking so many signs from God. Because what if he hadn't asked? What if Dwight hadn't asked a fourth week or a fifth week mm-hmm. or, you know, or what if Donna hadn't said that? You know, like yeah. you were just, and God's going, I'm going to give you one more sign. You know, let me put the dew on the mat one more time for you, just so you will trust that I really am calling you to do this. What are you hoping to change by telling your story? Um, confidence. And hopefully this gives me confidence to be able to go out and share my story this is twice now so mm-hmm. i feel actually i'm gonna say three times you share it with your husband first. oh yes i did that's You're right three this You're is three, three. Yes. so i feel good yeah i i want it gets to easier right it does it does what are you hoping to change for the listener if you're feeling a nudge, go, I mean, that's, you can't ignore that. And I think that's what I've tried to do all these weeks. Like just ignore it. Just it's, that's not God. Like that's not him, but it's there. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling the nudge, that's him talking to you. Mm-hmm. You just got to listen. Any last thoughts or words for someone listening right now? Trust. I think that's been my word and I already talked about that, but just trust him. Mm-hmm. And that's so hard, so, so hard to do that, um, especially in our worldly ways. Or if you're like me and I'm a control freak, I need you to fix it. I'll fix it. Mm-hmm. We've got to trust him. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's how I am here today because I feel like that's what he was saying. Hey, you go share and you trust me and I'll use your story. One quick question, not yeah. to go back too far. What does your relationship look like with God now? Like, what is what does that daily look like? Are you doing um, certain things daily to stay in relationship with God? And let me just clarify. So there's fellowship and there's relationship with mm-hmm. God. So I'm going to correct what I just said there a second ago. We're in relationship with our, our parents. Like, your mom's mm-hmm. always going to be your mom. Even if you guys get in a huge argument and never speak again, your relationship is mother-daughter. Mm-hmm. So... As a born-again believer and a child of God, um, we're always in relationship. Like, that will never be broken. God will never let go of us. But our fellowship with our parent or someone else, we could get in an argument and never talk to them. We're no longer in fellowship with them. Mm-hmm. Same with, with God. We can fall out of fellowship with God because we choose not to hang on to him anymore. Now, he's still holding on to us and we're still in a relationship, but we choose to let go and fall out of fellowship so how do you stay in fellowship with God on a daily basis? What do those exercises look like? Yeah, and I, this is hard because when we get into the mix, you know, school's fixing to start mm-hmm. again. When we're busy, like, it's it's hard. Discipline is yes. required. Yeah, and when I start falling out of discipline, I can feel it. Mm. You know, it's, it's there. I know. Um, and even I think about this, like if we have to miss church for a Sunday or something, mm-hmm. it throws my whole week mm-hmm. off. Like, mm-hmm. um, so daily, um, 
I try to stay in the word daily and that may look different every day. That mm. doesn't mean I'm reading my Bible every day. It may be podcast by right. Gina Fletcher no. or <laughs> um, a devotional, you know, while I'm walking in the mornings. Mm-hmm. So I try somehow each day to get some word from God. Nice. Um, and like I said, when, when I don't do that, it's, it's not right in my world. And you have to bring it back. Mm-hmm. Love that. Casey, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I am beyond excited that you stepped out in faith on a million different levels a million different times. Like seriously, to respond, to share it with your husband, to share it with your social class, to even just text me and say, hey, I really appreciate that. And that's encouraging to me when I hear, when someone sends me a message and says, I just heard someone's story. And I shared that with Donna and she was just so excited that you enjoyed it, that it encouraged you and that it's the idea is that it's going to have this ripple effect and that you being obedient. So Donna was obedient, you being obedient and whoever's listening is going to be obedient also. And that's all we want. Like our only purpose is to give God glory and make Jesus known. And that's what you're doing just by telling your story, whether it's to one people or hopefully not to freak you out and cause you anxiety to people in a bunch of different countries that are hopefully listening to this. And so I'm super proud of you. I know God's going to bless it. And I love you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. My dear friend, I want you to know that this man, Jesus, my guest spoke of, is relentlessly pursuing you at this very moment and longs to love you unconditionally, no matter your story. There's no fancy prayer or special words. Just believe, trust, and surrender. We've listed several free resources in the show notes to help you begin your relationship with Jesus and to walk in his truth and love today and for eternity. And to my brothers and sisters, if you already have a relationship with Jesus, then I encourage you to continue to pray for our guests and all who listen to this podcast and to go tell others about a man that changed your life forever.